day in the neighborhood. Good morning. Well, maybe people are listening in the afternoon. Good afternoon or good evening. Good night. We'll cover all the bases. I was waiting for you to say, good morning, Vietnam. No, I don't need to say that. But I did say that when I was in Vietnam. I'm sure you did. Uh, When I was in Baltimore, I sang... Good morning, Baltimore. Okay, from from hairspray. Hairspray, the very musical. good. Welcome to the Twenty Three Podcast, everybody. It's good to be with you. My name is Michael Puppis, and my name is Herb Weber. But I was going to start with with a question. Yes. Who do people say that I am? That is the line from the gospel this coming Sunday. Oh, I call you Father Padre. Oh. If I'm feeling very formal, I'll say Father Weber. You have a phone call on line one. Father Weber. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about the gospel today. Who do people say that Jesus is? Yes. And who is he in our lives? But before we do that, we want to bring everybody up to date on what's going on. Yeah, and there is a lot going on right now. <sighs> yes. Breathe, breathe. This is like therapy for us. We're just going to take these 23 minutes to be together and all of our friends in podcast land. We're, we are recording this on Tuesday, which happens to be 9-11. And so as soon as we're finished with the, with the podcast, I will be running over. Actually, I'll drive. Drive over to St. Clair Commons. They're having a little uh, prayer service observance of the day. Uh-huh. And uh, so I'm going to be part of that. Fortunately, it's they wanted to do it outside. So fortunately, it is good weather. Oh, it's beautiful out today. I, I, haven't, I haven't been out since very early this morning. Well, was, actually, was, neither have I. But it, it was, looks nice through the it, windows. It was dark when I came in today. <laughs> um, but lots, is go- lots of stuff is happening with the church, the altar, and the ambo were delivered last week this morning uh they filled up the baptismal font for the first time and guess what it is filled with water i was joking with them that flowing water they were also washing the floor around it while it was filling so i told them to come and get you and tell you it was leaking (laughs) (laughs) i knew better i know how how it's built but that that has been great uh today we finished up some of our training on all the av components and we started loading musical instruments up onto the music platform and checking and and i got to play the piano in the new church he did he played his one song uh one note green sleeves green sleeves but it was awesome it it would never sound the same again so everything is is going really well right now and uh we we thank you for um your continued prayers for our staff and all the parishioners uh, that are helping make these first opening weeks possible one month from today is the dedication mass oh yes i didn't even think about that that's good today's a good day it's also if i may real quickly sure Besides all that, today is the day of the first session of RCIA for this year. Yeah. That is major. That's a, one of the, aside from probably Sunday Mass, RCIA is uh, the thing I I put more most energy into all week long. Sure. And I really, really enjoy it. It's always enriching for me. Yeah. I, I hope it is for the people <laughs> who attend as well. <laughs> well, they, they generally come into the church or the Easter Vigil, so that's a good and sign. They keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to be a large group this year. Hey, how many did you say you're, you're thinking? I don't, I don't know because it's still kind of shaking down. The first week or two, you know, there's still people joining as of our conversation right now. Yeah. I, in the last three, three days, I've had three or four emails or phone calls. So it depends. And then there's some of the people we talked to earlier who whose schedules are changing and maybe they will not come this year. Yeah. So I honestly won't know for a couple of weeks, weeks yet. I keep thinking about how cool will adult baptisms be with the new baptismal font this Easter? Yep. They're going to be cool. 
Can a baptism be cool? I guess it could be. Well, actually, we, there there is a, a heater in the baptismal font to warm the water. There's a, a thermostat. Make sure it's so just right. It won't be icy cold, and it won't be boiling hot. So last week we talked about the dedication mass, and we opened up. We're going to which do is a, a month from today. I've heard. Uh, who told you that? Yeah, uh, we did a. a five, we're going to do a little five part series on different parts of the dedication mass, just so that when you guys come, or if you're not able to make it, you know some of the things that are are going on during it. Last week we talked about the entrance rite. And today we're going to pick up with, uh, once that opening song ends, there's going to be a sprinkling rite, almost like you see on Easter Sunday, uh, but with a bit of a different prayer, uh, and the bishop will actually bless the whole church and the people with holy water. Somebody said that the dedication of the church has a parallel component to a baptism. Mm. And of course, the primary symbol of baptism is water. So we start with the, the sprinkling of the water, uh, with the water of the building itself. So it's not just the people, but it's the building itself, yeah. the blessing of the walls. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to splash water up onto the ceiling. It's pretty high. <laughs> right, right in the center, it's 40 feet high. He says in the prayer, as he's blessing the water, he says, As it is sprinkled upon us and throughout this church, make it a sign of the saving waters of baptism by which we become one in Christ, the temple of your spirit which is a wonderful segue into the next part because from the sprinkling we go into the liturgy of the word. Now the first half of the mass is always the liturgy of the word, but here we also bless the ambo where the word is proclaimed for the very first time at this mass. And this looks a little bit different and this will be, it's it's um it's not as big of a symbol as some of the other parts of the dedication mass, but before the liturgy of the word begins, typically on a Sunday, uh, the lector would just come up to the ambo and begin the first reading. In this mass That's after we dismiss the children. Of course, of course. Uh, but in this mass two lectors and um, the person that is going to be singing the psalm, the cantor come to the bishop uh, who will be standing and they give him the lectionary. And with the lectionary, he says, may the word of God always be heard in this place as it unfolds the mystery of Christ before you and achieves your salvation within the church. And then the bishop takes the lectionary and hands it to the person doing the first reading and they walk over to the ambo and begin proclaiming the first reading, which in this mass will be from Nehemiah. Yesterday, Michael and I were in there, and they, they had the sound system on. I, we were in the church, and Michael, I was standing at the ambo, and Michael said, read something. So he stuck his uh, phone in my face with the scripture <laughs> I, passage. <laughs> I gently placed it on the ambo so you had something to read. And the print was so small. <laughs> my own phone was on my desk. Your phone's smaller than mine. I know. but Not I, that it's a contest. <laughs> uh, I, I read from the gospel of uh, Luke. Yeah. Actually, the, it was the gospel reading for today, but I read it aloud in church. Mm -hmm. And it was an exquisite moment for me to read from the ambo. I was surprised. It was an emotional experience. Hmm. I had tested the microphone in there two, three weeks ago already. Yeah. But to be for, for the first time to read from the ambo and to be reading the gospel, uh, not only was it crystal clear and I really appreciated that, but it was like, okay, this is, this is dedicated to the word of God. Mm. There's something about it. And the word of God is not just reading, like reading a novel. Yeah. It's in the very proclamation that it comes alive. 
And that's one of the reasons we don't have the words of the gospel or any of the readings on the screen, and we don't have the missalettes that everybody can follow along with, mm-hmm. because it's in the reading, the, the actual uh, audio sound, mm-hmm. that people have to learn to be good listeners, and a lot of our people are very good listeners. Yeah. But it's in the process of it that it gets embodied, so it's not just reading words off of a sheet of paper. Sure, totally. I um I'm excited for this portion of mass because I think at this point it will still feel very familiar to people. We haven't gotten quite to the part of mass where uh, the ritual starts to kind of take off in its its own way. So I think with the liturgy of the word, you know, we have that beautiful rhythm in, of first reading. And the psalm. liturgy of the word is just like on a Sunday. There is an Old Testament reading. There's a psalm. There's a New Testament reading. There's a gospel. And the bishop will give the, the homily. And then the bishop gives the homily. And then after that, uh, we just go right into the pres- profession of faith and the petitions as normal. And then next week... Oh, the, the petitions are before the... Oh, no. I, uh-huh. I'm i sorry. I'm reading... I, I, I saw general intercessions on here, and I and they ge- are omitted completely. Correct. And the creed is the creed, however, before the actual dedication of the altar. Correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. We'll pick up on that next week. Which, that's my friends where it gets exciting. So don't miss next week. Well, don't miss this week, but if they would know if they missed this week, they wouldn't know that I just said that. Okay. All right, let's jump into this weekend's reading, the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And who do people say that I am? Father Herb Weber. Okay, Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. It's a turning point in the Gospel. And for reference, we were in chapter 7 last week, correct? And 8 follows 7. <laughs> Thank you. Verses 27 to 35. Jesus and his disciples set out for the villages villages of Caesarea Philippi. Along the way, he, Jesus, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, You are the Christ. Then Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. But wait, the gospel's not over. Michael's going to read the rest. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and rise after three days. He spoke this openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. At this he turned around and, looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. The line that strikes me is, You are thinking... Not as God does, but as human beings do. Mm. What a challenge. How do you know how God thinks? Well, say this time I'm putting you on the spot. I, how do that's that's a hard question. I mean, it's a very hard question. I don't know how well, God thinks. Well, come on. You can't just say that. Well, I I think God thinks in perfect love, in perfect unconditional love. That's my gut reaction. Okay then where does carrying the cross and being rejected and suffering, 
Why is that part of God's plan, God's thought, as opposed to human thought? People don't like to suffer, except people who are, you know, uh, masochists, and that's not healthy. Well, I don't think uh, God prefers for us to suffer, but I think through free will allows for it to happen. I don't think God wills for bad things to happen to us. Then why does Jesus say, take up your cross? Why is the cross so significant in our Christian discipleship? Because, you know, as St. Saint, Saint Paul said, it's a stumbling block to people because we still have this notion that if you suffer, that means you did something wrong. But if you're doing right things, you should have a, a an easy life. It's so almost as if suffering is a punishment for sin. Sure. And sometimes the televangelists even make it sound almost like, okay, if you follow Jesus, you're never going to have a problem the rest of the life. In fact, your your life is going to be easy and you're going to end up wealthy. Which we know is not true. Not only is it not true, but that's exactly precisely what Jesus said is not the case right. unless you take up your cross and follow him. I think we have to take up our cross because we're imitating Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus took up his cross. Why did he take up his cross? You actually said it. It's about love. He took up the cross to die because love knows no boundaries. Jesus was willing to give us all, holding back absolutely nothing. Yeah. Would you, would you still follow Jesus if he had preached a good preach? and talked talk to good talk, and maybe healed a few people here or there, and then lived to be an old man and died in, in bed? Would I still follow him? I, I don't know. I would think I would, but he obviously, through the actions of his life, uh, showed his love to the nth degree through his passion and death. In, in other words, the, the willingness to sacrifice himself for people is really probably the essence of what it means to be our savior. Well, I and I th because in human in the human condition, you can always say, "Oh, well, that person's you know they don't always practice what they preach." You know, they, he says to do this, but really, you know, he's doing this on the side, or you know, he he wouldn't really follow that himself if push came to shove. But Jesus' love showed no limits; it was all the way up to the point of death. He couldn't give anything else, except then he came back, <laughs> and then he continued to give. <laughs> yeah, and he continued to give. You're right. Right. And every every celebration of Mass, it's not like, I remember as a kid hearing some criticisms of Catholicism, yeah. like, you guys, you keep killing Jesus. You say Mass is a sacrifice, and you keep killing Jesus every time you have Mass. Yeah. Well, we don't really, but it's sort of like there was one sacrifice forever, that undid all other feeble sacrifices. And we recall it, and it's like we're present to this, not just even just remembering it, but we're present to it at every Mass. To that moment. To that moment. Mm -hmm. And so we, we recall the words of the Last Supper, this is my body given up for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Mm -hmm. It's like both Holy Thursday, the Last Supper, and Good Friday on the cross together. You also hear in the acclamations, though, when we, you know, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. So all Jesus says is, come follow me. And by the way, I'm on my way to Calvary. <laughs> come follow me. And now he's Dr. Seuss. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, everybody talks about, you know, oh, I'm carrying my cross, I take up, take up my cross, all of that. It struck me when 
the cross was delivered for the new church, that the corpus, so Jesus' body is called the corpus that will be hung on the cross and become the crucifix. And these two came to us separately. The, it was the sculptor created the, the corpus, and it was a local carpenter who created the cross. Correct, and they have not yet been put together. I can't wait to see it when, it, when we finally... I think, I think there's a, a message right there, putting it together. What is the message? The, 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 we have to figure out which cross is for us. Oh, if this isn't in your homily this weekend. Not yet. Not, <laughs> but I was struck by, when I first looked at it, I don't know if you felt this way, I was struck by the size of it. Because of the scale of the room, obviously it needs to be very large. Um, I don't think Jesus was probably 10 or 11 feet tall as he will be in this church. You know, I, I asked the sculptor, who's Canadian, to give me the measurements of the corpus. This was like a year ago, mm-hmm. so that we would know exactly where it would fit. And he he showed me his his um, model, the clay model of the the body of Christ. Yeah. And he had a tape measure. And he took a picture of that and sent it to me. And I thought, oh, this doesn't make any sense at all. Until I realized. It was in centimeters, not inches. <laughs> <laughs> I had to translate had to it. to do the conversion. So the conversion is, the, the corpus is about 11 feet. So it's going to be very large. Um, but as I was looking at it and thinking about, you know, we don't know if Jesus carried the whole cross or just one beam or, or whatever it was. But think about, you know, that image of taking up your cross. You're not just carrying this thing that eventually will just go away. You're carrying the thing that will eventually lead to your death. There's no getting away from it. You know, so the suffering that you're enduring is ultimately going to end in more suffering. But Jesus didn't back away from that image when he told us that we need to follow him and do the same thing. So I think he was very intentional in the way that he said that. I, many people adhere to the, that notion, no pain, no gain. Oh, yeah. But that's not the same. Okay, so I'm going to work out. I'll lift these heavy weights. I will run that extra mile. I will do a lot of things because I'm going to have a reward. Mm -hmm. But what if the reward is not obvious? What if there's no end to it? You know, it's not like I'm just training for the Olympics. What if I'm training the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. So there has to be some something inherently positive about the training itself. Carrying the cross you almost have to not just pick up the cross, you have to kiss the cross and then put it on your shoulder. You have to embrace uh, whatever it is that tears you down, uh, makes life hard, uh, you know, the misery of the day. Not that, again, not that we want to be miserable, but you have to somehow say, there's a reason for this, it's acceptable. At the same time, you know, we're not looking for misery, we want to alleviate misery where we can, mm-hmm. especially people who are dying unnecessarily and people who are sick, uh, people who are impoverished. We, we want to reach out. But when we see that we have a particular burden to carry that's part of our own life, and it is different for every person. You know, I can't tell you what your cross is mm-hmm. besides having to work here with me. Well, I was going to say that, but you took it from me. But you might have a few other crosses. But, but the thing, too, is that Jesus didn't carry it just by himself. I think he showed us through the way of the cross 
that even somebody had to help him at times. Yeah. And that's why he gives us each other, that we're not meant to always have to do it alone, that through the strength of others and through the, our strength of our faith and our love for him, that he will help us through it as well. Well, you know, you're talking about the, the stations of the cross. And, uh, of, co- of course, Veronica wiped his face, mm-hmm. which was probably very refreshing. You know, different people. His mother, Mary, was there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Simon of Cyrene actually helped carry the cross a little bit. Right. I'm going to tell you a secret that I've no- not told many people. Should I press pause? No. Oh, we're, we're recording it. Yeah, we're recording it. All right. And the secret I'm going to tell you is that at one point I was tempted to call the sculptor as yeah. he's doing the Stations of the Cross. Uh-huh. And ask him if he could put my face on the face of <laughs> Simon of Cyrene. Really? Because I thought that was the person that I want. I emulate. You know, I want to be there to help carry the cross. And then afterwards, I thought that's really pretty bad on my part. It, well, I was wondering. Well, which nose was he going <laughs> yeah, to That's. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, you know, as much as I would have loved to see your face on it, the face in these stations of the cross that are going to be at our church are very important because they're very close up. It's not like he could just work you into the background. I mean, you'd be pretty that, proud. That, that's why I was tempted to have it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was also the reason I decided not to. That's good. All right. So I, you, you heard the humility here first. I, o- I overcame the temptation. That's good. We all have different I also, temptations. I also was afraid he'd laugh at me. He might, but I remember... He did show us that he put the face on somebody in one of his stations that he showed us. It was actually in his own church. If you remember, that piece was beautiful. The processional cross, as the server would carry up the crucifix of Jesus, um, and it would put it in the stand, Jesus' cross then would finish this scene of the other criminals crucified next to him and all the people around. And the woman was standing there with her face, very small, um, that asked him to do it. Fun stuff. God bless. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time on the 23 Podcast.